He promises life to everyone who comes to him and believes. And he's promised to come again, to visit his people again. The gospel is a report of good news that gives us hope in the midst of our calamity. But here's the question. Do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? When Naomi heard the report of the Lord visiting his people in Jerusalem, she didn't just stay in Moab. She got on the road. She went back because she believed it was true. And in the same way, when we hear the gospel proclaimed to us, if we truly believe it, we'll set out on the Christian journey, on the Christian pilgrimage to our true home. It will set aside our old way of life. We'll be baptized. We'll join the church. We'll link arms with other believers. We'll come to church every week, keep hearing the word, right? We'll, we'll pursue holiness in our lives. We'll try to grow in the knowledge of God. Go to mobilize. I went to mobilize this morning. Did you go? Wait. It was so encouraging. It was so equipping, right? We'll put to death our sin by the power of the Spirit. We'll grow in love for one another and service to one another with whatever gifts God has given to us. This is what it means to believe the good news that we've heard. It means to, to set out on the journey. It means to set out on the pilgrimage. But it also means to learn to wait. Right? Because we're not there yet. We haven't come to Bethlehem yet. But we wait for the coming of the Lord. We wait for the Lord to come and visit his people. And our calamity is not yet over. And at this point, neither is Naomi's. Right? Her calamity is not yet over. And you'll see that in the second scene. So back to the second scene here. It's <clears throat> getting off preaching, you know. Uh, that's kind of what I'm doing here. You know? so, uh, yeah. I there's times when you shouldn't preach, right? but there's times when you kind of should. <laughs> so, okay, second scene. All right, second scene. Here uh, we see Naomi strongly advising her two daughters-in-law to go back to their families in Moab. Right? You can see three times she advises them, go back. All right? You see in verse 8, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. And you can see in verse 12, turn back, my daughters, go your way. And you can see it in verse 15. She said, see, this is to Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So here she's saying, go back. That's her advice, right? And, and I think when you read this section, uh, you see the, the importance of remarriage for the security of these two women. Right? Again, in the ancient world, women were much more dependent on their husband's livelihood. So Naomi rightly advises them, right? go someplace you can find a husband. Right? Her thinking might be informed by um, the laws in Deuteronomy 25. It says, when a man dies without children, his uh, brother should marry the widow and raise up children for him. And Naomi might be saying here, you know, I don't have any more children, and I'm not going to marry and have any other children, right? All your hopes of remarriage are going back to your family and all that. So go back. 
We can see how the second scene, it continues Naomi's bitter calamity. Even though she, she has hope, right? She has hope of food for the future, and yet the calamity continues, right? Naomi's already been left by her husband and her sons. Here, she faces the prospect of being completely alone, right? Going home with her It, it makes no sense for her daughters-in-law to come back with her back right? We can see, we can see the bitterness of their weeping. Verse nine, verse nine says, they lifted up their voices and wept. Verse 14, they lifted up their voices and they wept. This is a bitter scene. Look at Naomi, how she speaks about the situation in verse 12. She says, turn back. Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should say, even if I should have a husband this night, should bear sons. Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. If this is where I get this word bitter from, right? if joyful situations are sweet to us, tragic situations are bitter. And Naomi says her, her situation is exceedingly bitter. And it's not only for her. Right? It's bitter for those around her. It's like Naomi saying, I'm bad luck, you know? Get away from me. Go home. Go back. It's not just luck for Naomi, though. Naomi is a believer in the Lord, Israel's God. We see this at the end of verse 13, right? She says, the hand of the Lord has gone up against me. Right? This phrase, hand of the Lord, it represents the power of the Lord. God doesn't have a hand, literally, right? He's spirit. But if he did, and you wanted to arm wrestle him, he would win. <laughs> I don't care how much you work out, or how strong you are, he's God, right? When his hand goes out, no one can stop him. And Naomi says here, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me, right? The Lord has brought this bitter tragedy into my life. So don't go with me. I'm the one that God is against. Go home, be happy. Well, Naomi convinces one of her daughters-in-law, but not the other one, if you know the story. Verse 14, it says, And Orba kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Here I think we see another ray of hope in the midst of Naomi's calamity. The ray of hope is a person. It's a very unexpected person. It's surprising. In the Old Testament, you wouldn't expect a Moabite woman, a woman from Moab, 
be a ray of hope in the story. The Moabite women didn't have a great track record in scripture. The nation of Moab began out of incest, descended from one of Lot's daughters after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's another story in Numbers 25 where Moabite women enticed the men of Israel into the worship of other gods. It's the story of Phineas, if you remember. Phineas rose up in zeal. But in this passage, interestingly, the two Moabite women are positive characters. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Naomi says to them, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me, with the dead, and with me. Both Orpah and Ruth, these two Moabite women, had shown kindness to their husband and to their mother-in-law. In one sense, Naomi says, May the Lord be like you, Orpah and Ruth. May he be kind to you as you have been kind to me. How often in the midst of tragedy is the kindness of another human being a cup of cold water to us? I can think of numerous people in my life who've shown me kindness in the midst of tragedy. Thank God for that. He leads us into bitter situations, but he does not leave us alone. He brings people into our lives to show us his kindness. And are, are we these kinds of people? Are, are we a kind people? Do we show kindness to others? Some of us, myself included, are sometimes unkind in our words. We're unkind in our actions. And we need to repent. We need to learn from these two pagan women how to show kindness to those around us. Especially as those who tasted of the kindness of the Lord, the undeserved grace and mercy of God in Christ. Both Orpah and Ruth have shown kindness to Naomi, but, but Ruth, Ruth goes above and beyond in her kindness. Uh, verse 14, we saw it says, Ruth clung to her. So Naomi tries a third time uh, to send her back. You see, let's look at verse 15, read a few verses. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more so, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The kindness and the commitment of Ruth to Naomi is extravagant. It's, it's over the top. Who commits to somebody like this? Are any of us committed to anyone like this? Right? Are we committed to our friends like this? Are we committed to our job like this? Are, are we committed even to this church like this? I'm not saying that we should be. All right, hold on. All right, by the way, I just didn't mention, you know, notice this is freely given by Ruth, right? If someone asks you to commit to them, to, to commit to you like this, they're probably a cult leader. You know, just, just, so watch out for that, all right? Um, there is an exception. 
All right, there is an exception. We do ask for this kind of commitment in marriage, don't we? Again, it's freely given, freely given by both parties. But it's very similar, isn't it? It's, it's a lifelong commitment, and it's sealed with a solemn oath, a solemn vow. That's, that's kind of what, that's what you see in verse 17, this vow that Ruth takes. Ruth, in a sense, makes a marriage commitment to her mother-in-law. What amazing kindness Ruth showed to Naomi. Naomi could have come back to Bethlehem completely alone, but God gave her a ray of hope in the kindness of Ruth. And I do think that Ruth's kindness is a picture to us of the kindness of the Lord to his people. You know, in Scripture, in Scripture, the church is not called the acquaintance of Christ, right? It's not called the colleague of Christ. It's not even called the friend of Christ, right? What's it called? The bride of Christ. It's called the bride of Christ. Why? Because Christ has made this kind of commitment to us. If you're a believer and you doubt the kindness of the Lord toward you, Remember that he loved us to the point of death. And he was raised from the dead. And he promises to come again. So like Naomi, we hear, we hear about this hope of the gospel in a foreign land. We, we, we have hope for the future. But also we, we can taste of God's kindness to us in so many ways while we're still on the journey. I think of... All the ways that God has blessed us to be here, right? He's given us food. He's given us shelter. Many of us, he's given us health. I was thinking of all the babies that are being born in this church, okay? You know, a few weeks ago, I, I heard that this area in the front of the church is the, called the Fertile Crescent. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you want to get married, if you want to have babies, this is where to sit. Okay, it's that fly eye. I think the greatest taste, but I, I do think the greatest taste of God's kindness that we have in the midst of our journey is the kindness of other people, right? Like Ruth, our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's thank God for these glimpses of his kindness in other people even in the midst of bitter calamity. Well, in the last scene of the chapter, our two companions come all the way back to Bethlehem. And verse 19 tells us that when they got there, the whole town was stirred because of them. I was imagining if Brandon and Beth and Rogers showed up unannounced in church today, and imagine it would cause a stir for many in here. They've only been gone for a few years. Naomi was gone for well over a decade, caused a stir when she came. This final scene, it focuses on Naomi's name. And I think it teaches us about the importance of naming the bitter calamity, of calling it what it is. Uh, verse 19, the women say, is this Naomi? It's been so long, so much has happened. Naomi seems to sense how inappropriate her name is for her circumstances. Remember, the name Naomi means pleasant. 
<clears throat> so in a moment of frankness, she tells them in verse 20, she says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. You can see, if you have the ESV, you can see the footnote on Mara there. It says, Mara means bitter. She says, call me bitter. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She explains this in verse 21. She says, I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Is Naomi right to say all this? Is she right to say all this? Commentators actually disagree. <laughs> How should we look at Naomi and her statement? I read one commentary that said, Naomi is presented here as a bitter old woman. And, and, and what, the, what this story is really telling us, it, 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 it holds out Ruth as this person we should gravitate toward. And it holds out Naomi as someone that we should be repulsed by. And her words as someone we should be repulsed by. You know, I can actually see why this commentator says this. Where's the line between feeling the bitterness of tragedy and between being a bitter and angry person? Where's the line between acknowledging the Lord's sovereign hand in leading us into evil and accusing the Lord of doing something evil? As I've thought about this in the last couple of days, though, I have come to the conclusion that uh, the story and that I think God in Scripture is, is presenting Naomi's words as right and as correct and, and not as something that we should be repulsed by. The reason I say that is that Naomi's words are similar to words that we read in the book of Job. You know, Job, the book of Job, he's a, a righteous sufferer and he laments over his suffering. They're similar to the words we read in the book of Lamentations, which is about when Jerusalem was destroyed and, and the lament over Jerusalem. So, so I do think Naomi is correct in the words um, that she uses here. And I think what she does is she, she names the bitter situation for what it is. Right? She calls it what it is. And I think then we should learn that when we face tragedy, we shouldn't just put on a happy face and act like everything is fine. Right? Naomi even speaks of God's role in her tragedy. In verse 20, she says, she says that the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. This is similar to what we read in verse 13, where she said, the hand of the Lord is, is against me. Right? She acknowledges God's sovereignty. She says, if God is Almighty, if he's all-powerful, then he could have preserved my husband in my son's lives in old age. But he didn't. Instead, he led me into a very bitter situation. God, it seems, 
is against her. She says that two times. Verse 13, she says, the hand of the Lord is against me. And then you can see, again in verse 21, she says, the, the Lord has testified against me. Finally, in verse 21, she says, the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Why call me pleasant? Look at my life. Look at the bitter calamity God has brought upon me. These are difficult statements. I think that they bring us into one of the main points of the story, one of the main things that the story is meaning to teach us, and that is that the Lord leads his people into bitter calamity. The Lord leads his people into bitter calamity. The tragedies that happen in our lives are not outside of the sovereign, almighty hand of God. He brings them into our lives. We have to walk a fine line here. The gospel teaches us that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There's no evil in God. He does, he does no one wrong, and he never has. But he is sovereign over all things, including the evil that happens in the world. Including the evil that happens to us. The Lord leads his people into bitter calamity. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to name it for what it is. When we face tragedy, we should be like Naomi and say, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. But we shouldn't say it in a way that abandons hope. Because this is not the whole story. And it's not the whole point of our chapter. We've already seen hope in verse 6. We've already seen hope in the kindness of Ruth. And then verse 22 again reminds us that there is hope for the future. It says that Naomi and Ruth came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Remember. Naomi had heard that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And now the harvest is coming. The story's not over yet. The Lord leads his people into bitter calamity, but he also visits them with hope. And I think that's the main point we should take away from today, from, from our story, Ruth 1. The Lord leads his people into bitter calamity, but he also visits them with hope. He gives us tastes of his kindness on the journey. He promises us hope for the future. And so we wait. We, we wait with Naomi. We ask, bless you. <laughs> we ask, Lord, why have you brought this bitter calamity into my life? We wait. But if we are believers, if we are believers in the Lord, we wait in hope. Please pray with me.
Father, I thank you for the story. We thank you for the kindness of Thank you for the hope of the gospel, even in the midst of our calamity. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to know you more, to increase in the knowledge of you through your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We come now to a